We are continuing in our series on the Psalms this morning. And I, I, all of you should be jealous of me this morning because I get to preach Psalm 103. It's one of my favorites. I've been looking forward to preaching it for a while. And so with that kind of build up, I hope it's good. Uh, I was talking to, <laughs> and, and Brian said amen. Uh, I was talking with Bud uh, Frederick this morning. And he said, 103 is long. I, I reckon this sermon's got to be like two hours. And I said, yes. And then I trimmed it down for you. <laughs> uh, so we're going to Psalm 103. But I, I, but, but I love your, your, your commitment there to, uh, to, to the long game, we'll say. Um, so this is Psalm 103. Uh, I'm going to read it for you, and then we'll, um, we'll walk through it together and meditate on it together. So this is a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, that is, bless Yahweh. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, (laughs) who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the people of Israel, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember Remember to do his commands. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord, and again we say, Thanks be to God. You've probably seen in our series on the Psalms that Psalms can get pretty specific, right? You think of Psalm 51 dealing with the specific situation of David and Bathsheba. And so the Psalm itself uh, deals with the specific situation of repentance. This Psalm is not like those. It's not as specific. It's actually more broad. This is, we might actually call this one a broad brush Psalm having to do with lots and lots of situations in life. In fact, this psalm gives you what you need to be glad in life. That's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a thing to promise. You have this, this initial call in verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now that sounds funny, doesn't it, at first? Uh, in the sense of, we kind of understand praise the Lord, pray to the Lord, Rejoice in the Lord, but bless the Lord sounds weird because isn't God the one that does the blessing? Yes, He is, 
and he blesses us. What does that mean? It means that God is good to give us his gifts. And by the way, that's what the psalm goes on to do. It starts naming blessings and gifts. In return, we gather here and in plenty of other places during the week to lift up our praises, our gifts of praise. Not in the sense that God needs it. This is not David talking to his own soul saying, bless the Lord because the Lord really needs your blessing and can't get through without it. No, but, but what does it mean to, to give a blessing or to be a blessing? It, it means to use your energies and your resources to bring gladness or joy to another. I remember probably, probably more times than I'd like to admit when I was young, before Mother's Day or Father's Day, I would sometimes, I had the boldness to ask my mother or father for money to get them a gift. Isn't that just pathetic, <laughs> right? I wanted to bless my parents, but all I could do was give back to them what was already theirs. And that's sort of the idea here, that when we bless the Lord, what we are doing is worshiping Him. We are giving Him our thanksgiving, our praise, for what He has done for us, for His kindness, for His goodness, for His blessing to us, for His benefits, as the psalmist says. And so, and we do so with the very breath He's given us, right? With the bodies He's given us and the voices He's given us and the minds and hearts and so on. And so, what I want, uh, the best place to start then to, to try and get at this psalm and understand it and try a bit more to, to sink it deeper down into our hearts. Remember how this starts. David begins by talking to his own soul. We've talked about this before. Uh, David likes to do this in the Psalms, to, to preach to his own heart and soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So attention, soul, you need to start worshiping. Okay, With all you've got, that's verse 1, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Okay, And then verse 2, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, with all you've got, that's verse 1, and all He's given you, verse 2, forget not all His benefits. Don't forget. Well, what sort of benefits? Well, he starts naming them. And notice how in naming the blessings, he's also confessing his own condition. He says, don't forget soul, verse 3. He forgives all your iniquity. Don't, don't forget, my soul. He's the God who's forgiven your sins. Don't forget, soul, rest of verse 3, that he heals all your diseases. That's good fodder for a prosperity preacher, isn't it? This text means that God's going to heal every disease. I mean, yeah, until you die. <laughs> the emphasis here is not on the word all, but on the word who. Okay? That is, God is the one who heals. You are never healed apart from God, even if you didn't pray. There is no category of healing or recovery or remission or cure apart from the mercy of God. Amen? So whenever there are, wherever there are healed diseases, and there are plenty of them because God is kind, there you will see the mercy of God. The question is whether or not our souls forget that. That it comes from the hand of God. He has a lot more to say about his condition and our condition. Who redeems your life from the pit, verse 4, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. 
So we are in a pit and, and needing, to be, needing to be drawn up out of it. And then once we're drawn up out of it, crowned with steadfast love and mercy, satisfies you with good. So we're needy and need to be satisfied. That your youth is renewed. That is your, your strength, your vigor, your energy, your, your joy is, is renewed. Like the eagles, that is picture eagles being lifted up on like a, like a thermal current. That's the word picture to have in your head. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Oh, works righteousness and justice. So, so all of us who are in an oppressed state, oppressed by sin, oppressed by failure, oppressed by shame, oppressed by regret, oppressed by evil, wicked people, the Lord works righteousness and justice made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Notice how he's, David is, is, if you will, waiting his hope, sinking his hope in what he should already know but needs to be reminded of. The reality of God and then verse 7, that you know, he made known his ways to Moses. Now he's, he's teaching himself the history again. Don't forget, soul. Don't forget this is what God has done. So what sort of picture is this? So far, this is a picture of, yes, God's goodness, but don't miss, David's been very clear about his own need and the the sinner's need for God. Iniquities, diseases, pits, right? If you keep going, let's see here. uh, He will not always chide, nor does he keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. So we've got a sin problem. And then later in the psalm, you heard it, we, we fade away like dust and like grass. Now, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe more than a few therapists might say something like, well, don't talk like that about yourself, dust and grass and sin and iniquity. It's so negative. But David is saying, my soul needs to hear this. My soul needs to hear of my own sin. It's for his soul because he needs to remember. The primary problem that David diagnoses, if you like, in the psalm is forgetful souls and his own forgetful soul. It's why David spends most of the psalm reminding himself of God's goodness, seeing what God has done. If you look back at verse 2, we're going to walk through it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Okay? All right, and then, and then what do we have? In verses 3 through 5, you know what we have? You just sang it earlier. You have ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. Forgives all your iniquities. Heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from the pit. Crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All these promises are made in the midst of of a rather unfair and unjust world. So we also have verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. David wants to make absolutely certain that his soul, if, if, if we can speak of soul's thinking, his soul is thinking correctly about what God has said and what God has done. David knows that if he forgets all of God's many, many benefits, if he forgets God's blessing, if, if all that takes up his vision is disappointment or, or uh, disappointed expectations, he knows that his heart will shrivel into an anxious, angry, ungrateful, impatient, easily offended, easily panicked, easily troubled, easily terrified mess. 
You see how important remembering is? All that can happen to you if you don't remember what God has done. And don't remember the many benefits and blessings He's given you, even in the midst of trouble, frustrating things. I remember after Wednesday night, um, we got, uh, got to stand outside with, with Eddie next to his car while we reinflated a tire because they had a, had a tire blowout, right? So tire blown out, really annoying. But blessing, we have a car, right? I mean, so I, I learned this from Barbara Elkins. It's amazing how, much of your, how many of your annoyances or frustrations flow out of your blessings, right? Which is always good to kind of take stock of whenever you have the frustration or the annoyance. You're like, wait, this comes from a blessing that I should be grateful for. Okay. So we tend to think of forgetting. Let me talk about that for a minute. Forgetting, right? Forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his blessings. We tend to think of forgetting as something that absolves us of responsibility, I forgot, so it's not my fault. And certainly there are things we forget about that don't have any like moral or ethical cost to them. But if you forget to file your taxes, that's a forgetting that's going to cost you. And when they come to <laughs> speak to you about it, you know, if you say, oh, I forgot, forgot, that's not going to absolve you. If you forget your anniversary, there's certainly no malice there, but it will still cost you. That's what I hear rumored. I freely confess that for the health of this congregation, Disney movies do not often feature in my sermons. But in the movie The Lion King, there's a scene where Simba has a vision of his deceased father, Mufasa, who says to him, you have forgotten me. And Simba's response is never. I would never forget you. And you know it's true. You know Simba's never stopped thinking about his dad or grieving for him. It's not like anybody's asked him, do you remember your dad? And he's like, who? No, I haven't forgotten you. And his father says, you have forgotten who you are, and so you have forgotten me. Now that's really something, isn't it? By your actions, by the way you live and think and talk, you have forgotten who you are, and you've forgotten me. And this kind of forgetfulness brings with it an indictment, right? Not just a uh, you have forgotten, but, but uh, you did wrong in forgetting. You were wrong to forget. Forgetting means that you failed something really important. Something like this happened in Israel in Second Kings 22 when Judah was under the reign of King Josiah. They were cleaning out the temple, so to speak, and Hilkiah the high priest finds the book of the law. Well, how, how fortunate. Hey guys, I found this book. Maybe we should talk about it. To use our terminology, it's like they found their Bible, right? And they'd forgotten about it. They bring it to the king. They read it to him. And King Josiah does not say, huh, you know, there's some stuff we forgot, guys. But no big deal. We just forgot. Whoops. No. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And he commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Asiah, the king's servant, saying, the whole crew, go and inquire of the Lord. And for the people, all of Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. Why did Josiah react like that? Well, he understood that if you forget what God has said that doesn't remove your fault, 
If anything, it only compounds your fault. Sinning against God because you forgot is now two sins, not one is a sin and one is a non-sin. And this is what David's getting at. He's telling his soul, don't forget what God has told you. You're going to need it. Don't forget all of what God has done for you. Because it's when you, it's when you forget that things go terribly. This has real applications for you and me today. So let me address children just for a minute. Children, if, if I'm, I'm sure some of you are, are still in here with us. Children, if you tell your parents that you will do something and you forget, okay, you should apologize to them. Let's just start there. Okay? You don't say, well, I forgot, so it doesn't matter. That's not going to go over well for you. Instead, you should say, you know, I said I would do this, and I, I, I forgot. And, and I said I would. I'm sorry. E- even if you didn't use the language of, like, I promise. That's, that's okay. If, if you give your word and you forget, I get you didn't intentionally reject your responsibility. But you still failed to do what you said you would do. So this is, so, so then why, why is it so important for us to remember what God has done? That's what the psalm is all about. David says, attention, soul, remember. Verse 2, again, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then again, he lists a bunch of things he doesn't want you to forget. Why? Because the reality is, that the things you remember most shape your life moment to moment and year to year. The things you remember most that really linger in your memory banks, to use a computer term, those are the things that really shape you. You actually already know this. I'm not telling you something there you don't know. Some of you, this is really bad news because you are pursued by sins and failures that you wish you could forget. You wish you could forget them, but even as you are getting older, and maybe some memories are fading, those colossal, boulder-sized failures still remain in all their glorious high definition. Some of that is just brokenness of sinful men and dealing with some of the grief there. The stuff that you want to hold on to tends to slip away. The stuff you want to go away tends to linger. But what God has given you in this psalm is a reminder that where your mind is set and the things that your mind is set on will shape who you are. And I feel like I want to speak especially like to, to teenagers there. The things that you consistently set your mind on are not just decisions you're making about what to think about. They are things that are shaping you and what you care about most. If your mind is set day by day on the mercies you've received, on the blessings you've received, you will be a more glad and joyful person. I'm going to go out on the limb and just say I promise you that. If your mind is set day after day on all the ways that people have disappointed you, on all the ways you've been wronged, on all the ways you've been unjustly treated, on all the ways you've gotten less than what you think you deserve, you will be an angry and bitter person, I promise because that's what you're constantly remembering. So how do we appropriately remember? Well, what's really cool about Psalm 103, again, I remind you, we're meant to sing this stuff, is that it's a song stuffed full of God's blessings. So that in singing about it, we're putting it into our heads so that we can remember all that God has done. Let me put it to you this way. Some of you, and I speak of some of you because I know some of me, 
Some of you have gotten very good at singing songs that are defining you. They are your soul's greatest hits. You've written them yourself. Some of you, if you'll pardon me for a little bit of whimsy here, some of you, your song goes like this. I have every right to be angry and sad. My husband is a pitiful cad. Next slide, please. Everyone should hear how he behaves past and present. Maybe one day I can force him to be pleasant. Right? And you just sing that song again and again in your head. Let's move to the next song. My wife is not all I dreamed she should be, so you should really feel sorry for me. I can't escape her continual frown, so I'm just going to keep my head down. Okay? Some of you, you've gotten very good at singing that song every day. One more. Work and money are my very first love. Nothing's more important than having enough. Work comes first. Everything else moves back. I'll neglect family and church before I live in a shack. I could go on, but I'll spare you the silly rhymes. Here's the point. How does the song go for you? I mean, it's a silly example, but how does the song go for you? What's the song you've been writing and singing over and over again? You woke up this morning talking to yourself, and in a way, like singing to yourself. What's the place where your heart's focused? Because here's the whole point of the sermon right here. God Himself has written some better songs than you. And He's put them right in the middle of your Bible so you don't forget about them. Do you see why week in and week out, part of our, part of our worship service, I mean, our, our worship service is meant to retell the story so you don't forget. Every Sunday we come to the God who made us. Every Sunday we confess the sin that has ruined us. Every Sunday we hear about the forgiveness of Christ who's redeemed us. Every Sunday we're brought to the table where He feeds us. Every week. Why? Because you have to remember. You have to. Your soul must bless the Lord for all His benefits. So, so, how, do, so how do we do that? What is, what is most needful for us to keep on remembering? Well, basically two things. To know who we are and to know what we've done. I'm packing that into one. To know who we are and to know what we've done. And number two, you probably already know it. To know who God is and to know what He has done. So who are we? Well, David tells you, doesn't he? Full of iniquity, full of diseases, in a pit, worthy of God's anger, passing away. Right Here today, gone tomorrow like the grass of the field. Apparently, God wants you to remind yourself of that, those aspects of who you are. Because... Right? Because the song that usually gets stuck in your head about you is usually full of a lot of lies. About how I'm not that bad and most people are worse and I'm not really in a pit. I just have a lot of problems that are caused by other people. And, and I'm not worried about uh, God's anger because I'm generally a nice and good person. I'm not passing away like the, like the grass of the field. I've got plenty of time to sin and be miserable before I get around to repenting. To this the Lord Almighty says, you have forgotten who you are. And you have forgotten me. So what sort of God do we forget? What I'd like to do, yeah, I have time, is to begin in verse 8 with you and just to walk through and, and behold our God together in His Word. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So the time that you need and more steadfast love than you've got sin, Christian, that's the abounding part. He will not always chide or keep His anger forever. 
He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. And so, and then it's like, if you needed a word picture, for as high as heavens are above the earth, as high as the sky is above the ground, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. So, when you can reach up and touch the tip of the sky with your feet on terra firma, then, then you will have learned the, the, the full width and breadth of God's love, and you, you, you get to speak that way, like you know where it begins and ends. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove his transgressions from us. And many of you know, right, if you, if you, go, if you travel north, right, and you go all the way up to the North Pole and keep going, now you're going south. Yeah? Right? I mean, some of you are having this earth shadow, yeah, the flat earth thing, no. Uh, so if you, if you keep going north, right, and then, and then you'll eventually start going south. If you go west, you will always be going west. If you go east, you will always be going east. Okay? So as far as east is from the west, these two can never come together. That's how far he removes his transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, you need another picture, there it is. We just sang it earlier. Father-like, he tends and spares us. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. Well, our feeble frame, he knows. You just sang it. He remembers that we are dust. Your God remembers it all. Right? So his love, right, ground to sky, you can't fathom it. But <laughs> good news, he can fathom you. He knows the beginning and end of you. He knows what you need most. And He's given you Scripture. He's given you a church. He's given you His Holy Spirit to walk with Him because He knows you. He knows your frame. As for man, like, but by comparison with this God who knows everything, as for man, His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. But the wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. So you get forgotten. And don't forget, don't forget, don't forget is the, the, the drumbeat of 103, but one day you'll die and be forgotten by the other humans around you. By contrast, the steadfast love of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. His righteousness to children's children. You'll die, His righteousness will keep going to your kids and their 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 kids and so on and so forth. The steadfast love of the Lord keeps going. And honestly, one of the, one of the best pieces of news about the Christian faith is that, brothers and sisters, we are engaged in something that will outlive us. We, we plant trees the shade of which we will never feel. And we're fine with that because the steadfast love of our God endures forever. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commands, the Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and if you had any doubt, His kingdom rules over all. And then you have this call up to the heavenlies. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word obeying the voice of His Word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, all His armies, His ministers who do His will. Right? Again, we sang it a moment ago. Angels help us to adore Him. Bless the Lord, all His works, that is all of creation, all the created things. Bless the Lord in all places of His dominion, which in case you forgot, verse 19 was His kingdom rules over all. And then we finish where we started. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
So how does God do this? How does God deliver this, all of this to you? So this, this call to you to not forget, and then, as it were, to, to come alongside you and behind you and, and to seal up and say, I, I'm going to help you not forget. I'm going to make sure you don't forget. So, and this is, oh, this is the kindness of God, that he gives you a command and then gives you everything you need to do it. And so how does God do this? He does this in Jesus Christ. You see, we are plagued by the constant temptation to forget God and all he's done. That's, that's what unbelief most fundamentally is, a constant forgetting of God. In fact, it was common in Puritan times that if you sinned freely and carelessly, you got accused of being an atheist. What? I'm, I, I'm no atheist. I believe in God. To which they said, do you really though? <laughs> we try to forget God. That's what sin is. It's, it's an attempt to forget God and what God has said. In our flesh, we are always tempted to ignore God and ignore what He said. The whole revolution and rebellion around us today culturally is a massive societal attempt to forget what God has said. There are even movements within Christianity today committed to helping people forget what God has said. In fact, C.S. Lewis believed that the real misery and suffering of hell was not the heat of fire, but the unbearable pain of soul of being forgotten by God. And so where do... Where do chronic forgetters like us flee? To the cross of Jesus Christ. Where we find the Son of God crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? That's what he's asking. See, at the cross of Jesus you find the Son of God who was forgotten so that you, Christian, will never be forgotten. There we find God saying, I have removed your sin from you as far as east is from west. There we find the one who redeems our life from the pit because he's already gone down to the pit for us. He's brought our sin with us and he's risen again and our sin has stayed dead. There we find the one who was crowned with thorns so that we, verse 4, could be crowned with steadfast love and mercy. And we're just left in the wonder of this God that... And the entirely appropriate response is to start pleading with our own souls. Don't forget that. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within me bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.